Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly Podcast. I am your host Chris and uh, tonight it's a full house as your old granny would say at Bingo. We have got Phil. Good evening Phil. Good evening. And we've got Rich. Hiya Rich. Hello. And we've got Jess. Good evening Rich. Uh, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> That's an early start. <laughs> I was going to say it's almost like I planned that wasn't it? <laughs> Hello Jess. Hello. I was looking at Rich's name and it all went wrong. Um, or Rich's Twitter, sorry. I'm stalking you, Rich, from miles away. Uh, right. Um, episode tonight is really going to be focused on the league and what's going on at the top and the bottom, or more specifically, the European chase and the fight to stay up. So that is where we're going to put our main focus this evening. Um, let's start off then with uh, the kind of top end and work our way down. The hunt for Europe for European places goes on. Um, first of all, I'll just let you know how the contenders got on and then we'll kind of break into a bit of a discussion. So Strasbourg and Marseille drew one all on Friday night in the opening game of the weekend's fixtures. Kenny Lala scoring again after Valais-Germain put Marseille in front. Probably not enough for Marseille, that. We'll touch on that in a second. Uh, we also saw a, uh, a terrific comeback for St Etienne, who won 3-2 against Monaco, um, having been behind in that game to Jelson Martins, but an own goal from Balog, Remy Cabello and uh, Nordin with the third before a late goal from Carlos, or Vinicius, whichever you prefer, got the goal back for late on for Monaco, and really not enough for them. We'll touch on them later on in the show. And the big one saw Leon and Lille draw, draw two all in the Sunday night night game, uh, like Remy equalising Martin Terrier's opener for Samara has put his first goal for Lille a late equaliser, I say late 15 minutes to go, Leo Dubois uh, got the leveller, so um, if we're looking at those clubs as the, the main pushers if you will, that's a terrible phrase, but for that European spot um, Jez, I'll come to you first of all would it be fair to say that St Etienne are the big winners of the weekend's action in terms of that European space? Uh, I'm not sure they're necessarily the big winners of last weekend. They could well be the big winners of this coming weekend. Um, mm. uh, based mm. on Lyon and, and Lille's form, um, I think that... I mean, it's, it's difficult to say because of all the reasons that we've talked about Lyon in the past, that they usually do turn up for the bigger matches. And although they were at home, I, I still think that two all against the, the Lille that have gone back to their rampant best in recent weeks is a decent enough result. Um, but I think that can only really be looked at in the context of, of what they do this coming weekend against Marseille. The Saint-Étienne sort of kept up their part of the bargain. They did well sort of coming from behind as well. Um, although I still think Monaco have quietly been awful um, since sort of a month into Jardim's second tenure. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say yet that they've been the big winners. But if Marseille can somehow pull out a result against Lyon, um, then... You know, Saint-Étienne will be right there ready to pounce. So um, Marseille definitely the big loser, Saint-Étienne just where they, they need to be right now, I think. Yeah, if, if we're going to put Marseille, we should also mention that Montpellier also got uh, a one-all draw at home to Amiens. Sorry, Phil. So oh, that probably the, rules the, them out as well. With, with what we thought was a winner, ruled out Ivar for Suleiman Kamara being apparently offside and nobody's shown a picture that actually shows him being offside, being offside yeah. kind of from a triangular yeah. angle which is just and it's like he's not a man who is caught offside often he's 
takes a while to get there. Yeah. So, yeah, that was fundamentally extremely frustrating. Uh, yeah. So they were doing, they were doing, because it was the race for fourth, they were doing tickets for four euros, which was nice. Uh, next, next home game against Nantes, they will be doing, it's the Fête des Femmes, uh, and women can get tickets for 30 euros, which involves cocktails uh, before and after the match. So that's, that's gorgeous, and I probably will not be going. That's quite uh, quite different. That's a different approach. I like that. Every year, every year they do this. It's if, weird. If we assume that, um, as sort of mentioned there, just saying, well, Saint Etienne, maybe not necessarily the winners. They, I mean, they've won four on, on the bounce. Is that draw? Um, if we focus on Lille for a minute specifically, that draw in in uh, in, in the Santa Lumiere, as, as I like to call it, anyway, does that kind of assure them of second place not literally because of course they could still lose the last three and, and bottle it but that momentum they've got i think it's unbeaten in five now they played in st- in spells pretty well against leon so would you peg them as as almost nailed on second now uh, i think so i think when you look at the the uh the running they've got it's quite a comfortable running it's um, bordeaux angers and then away at your lot yeah, so it's fairly comfortable. It's against it's 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 games against teams who, you know, comfortably mid table. They're not going to qualify for for Europe. They're not in any relegation concern. It's it's probably as ideal a run in as Lille could have could have could have gone for. And then all it will take is for them to really get something from the game at Bordeaux. I think it's pretty much nailed on that they've got second anyway, and it will be obviously be a richly deserved second. Um, you know, as, as just reward for some brilliant football this season. But um, I think they'll just probably need I think it's just a point to be absolutely certain um, yeah. if they aren't already. But it's a comfortable run in. As, as Jez said um, a few moments ago, they are, they are sort of back to their best. There was a little, a minor little wobble, maybe around sort of end of Feb, early March. Um, where they were just sneaking wins. They obviously had that surprise loss at home to Monaco. Um, uh, but, you know, they obviously got that big win against PSG where they played so fantastically. Uh, they got a big, big win at, at home to Nîmes. They put in a, a good display, I thought, against against Lyon. They perhaps weren't quite at their very best, but, you know, they still came away with a point. They've got the nice run in. Um it's it's going to be a nice second place finish. It's then going to obviously lead into what on earth happens in the summer and who goes and who stays, um, and that's on and off the pitch. But it's it, yeah, second place, as I say, is a, is a really um, you know tremendous tremendous result. I don't think many of us predicted second place. Hmm. Last season was a was a blip. Uh, yeah, let's face it, last season was a bit of a blip. Um, they obviously recruited as we we. We have mentioned numerous times they recruited well um, in the summer, um, and they're they're paying dividends for it far far beyond everybody's expectations. I think I may have predicted them to be scrapping it around for a sixth place, seventh place finish, which at the start of the season I would have assumed would have potentially been a Euro- European qualification spot but I don't think anybody even the most ardent of Lille fans would have predicted a second place finish and to have done it playing such brilliant football as they have as well because you know for large parts of the season I think they were I think they were even out playing PSG in terms of the quality of football they were playing it was it was really really fun to watch um, which is what we want to see 
ultimately. Yeah. So a second place, I think, will be a, a great, great reward for, for Galtier and his side. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And, and Phil, what, what, what about Leon on the other side of that coin? I mean, they're, they're sort of, I, I don't really know what to make of them because just when you think, ah, oh, yeah, okay, they're playing some good stuff again, then they go and lose somewhere obscure or throw away a two-goal lead or their well, president. they had those kind of uh, a couple of games about back-to-back losses against Dijon and Nantes, and it's like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, they're, Kind of maybe coming back into it, but they still don't look massively convincing. I mean, looking at the the stats from that two two draw against Lille on Sunday, Lyon had the bulk of possession. They had twenty shots to thirteen, eight on target to six. Lille were just more efficient. They did more with the chances they had. Lyon just looked like they weren't really in the game there, and I think. Both of the Lille goals, you look at that and go, that's a defensive fuck-up from Lille. I mean, Denea, um kind of looking baffled uh, as people went past him occasionally was, was not a good look. So I think the coming weekend where we got third playing sixth and fourth playing fifth, bookending uh, the results. We've got Saint-Étienne Montpellier on the Friday night and then Marseille-Lyon is the Sunday night. So that's going to be two kind of ends of, of this round are going to be really, really key for um, third place, but also obviously for fourth. Um, obviously, Saint-Étienne will be looking for something just to make sure they absolutely sew up uh, European competition and also will be looking above them to make sure it's that competition rather than the other. But it's so that's going to be a really interesting set of games on Friday night and Sunday night. Just a, you know, I think a lot will be decided over this weekend. Mm. Yeah, I think whatever happens to Leon, they should really be kicking themselves because it's all entirely self-inflicted. Mm. However good Leon have been, if Leon were firing anywhere near all cylinders, they they should really comfortably got second place I think and mm. um, even sort of I don't know, from a couple of months back if they just done what they did last year and just got their heads in order you know got the pie focus just for the last month or two of the season they still should have been fine but that was the kind of moment that Olas picked mm. to, to basically stuff everything up Genesio wise and I do think for all his faults some of them you know, clearly does on purpose, whether it's for ego trips or you know, sort of Ferguson style um, mind games. Uh, I think Olas generally has been fantastic for Lyon and very good for the for, for the French game overall as well. But by his standards, I think the last couple of months have been absolutely horrific. I think he's got a lot of things very wrong. But also, again, it's not just him. I think. Uh, Rich has spoken about the same times on Twitter that Genesio gets the brunt of all the stick, but the players have to take some stick as well. And um, if they miss out on third, even it's inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. Given the season, you you would kind of say that is the bare minimum. Um, as as we as Phil mentioned there, the the fixtures upcoming this Friday. I mean, Saint Etienne host Montpellier, um, which obviously, you know, home game, you, you'd think that they would be pushing all out for the win there. Lille face Bordeaux in their quest to nail down second spot. Um, 
and we've also got the the big one on Sunday. Obviously, is Marseille against Lyon. That that's the the huge fixture that stand out at the end of the but weekend. One thing with the Lille game, particularly um, looking at Bordeaux, they've got four losses in a row now. And yes, one of them was at Saint-Étienne. Yes, one of them was against Lyon. So the game at the weekend where they were at home against Angers was supposed to be the one that got them back on track and it just didn't. Mm. So um, they appear to have basically checked out for the season. They're still mathematically in, could end up in the bottom three, but it won't happen. But they appear to not give a toss in a variety of different ways. So that, again, could be interesting for the running because they don't just play Lille uh, this week. They also play Caen on the final day of the season. Yeah, it's a weird old time of the season, isn't it, where clubs are either really at it or really not at it whatsoever. I, I, I've got a spreadsheet which is colour-coded. I'll, I'll put the picture in the, uh, in the article under the pod because I'm quite proud of my of your artwork <laughs> we should um we should have a look at the bottom end as well because this is also getting quite tense quite tough all of a sudden um just so everybody knows where we stand right now gangon uh, still bottom on 25 points dijon second bottom 28 khan in the relegation playoff spot 30 monaco um rather alarmingly for them 33 and Amiens not 100% clear yet, 34. In terms of the, the weekend's results, we mentioned, obviously, that, that the result for Monaco went against them, having led against the Etienne, they lost. Um, really not ideal for their situation. Probably the standout game of the weekend, but also not, um, <laughs> Jess, was uh, Gangop nil, Khan nil. A result that doesn't really favour anyone, or does it slightly favour Khan? Or did you make of not so much the game because not a lot happened, but just what comes out of that? Who does who does that benefit if either? Uh, definitely slightly favours Khan because at the moment, as you said, they're in the in the playoff position, and uh, you know a win would have been nice. But I think to, to come away from that with a point would, would definitely I think they'd have taken that before the match. But yeah, as you said, it, it was an awful match and, and Gangon in particular looked poor, made very few chances for themselves and the chances they did they did get, they, they generally sort of skied over the bar. Um, could say they were slightly unfortunate that Turan took a knock and went off really a little bit early, but frankly, I think he's just a famous surname, so I don't, I don't, I'm really not sure what the fuss is about him. I'm not sure he did that much to change things. He didn't look like he was beforehand. Um, and they, they look gone, I think. Um, probably on paper, Corn Dijon have got better run-ins as well. Um, and, and Gagon just look completely shot of confidence. And I feel slightly sorry for them because they did go on that very good run. They gave themselves a little bit too much to do, I suppose, in the end. But they went on that good run. They really tightened up in defence. And they just had those sort of couple of hammer blows where they gave away a last-minute goal to Monaco and probably should have beaten Strasbourg and then there was the Marseille match where they're 2-1 down. The ball bounces of 98% of it's over the line. It's not a goal. Marseille goes straight up the other end and score. And all those things, I think, just really hit them quite hard. And at the same time, Khan got those two really scrappy wins thanks to thanks to Stamba having an amazing, uh, amazing two matches. Dijon just had perfectly timed couple of matches, playing Lyon at the right time, Rennes at the right time, for example. Um, so I just think 
things went against Gagan recently, but they put themselves in such a difficult position that uh, yeah, they just had too much to do in the end. So yeah, Caen, obviously a win for them would have been nice and it really would have made things interesting in terms of Monaco. And I actually would expect Caen to get more points than Monaco over the next three matches. So I really do think that Monaco is still in trouble. Mm. Um, but Caen have got to be happy with a point from Gagon, however badly they played as well. There was no onus on them to play particularly well. So. Yeah. I yeah. think just looking at the coming matches, the bottom three are all playing teams in the grey zone who are kind of the ventremoux, the you know, we don't care, um, can't go up, can't go down. Um, so whoever manages to put the pedal down this weekend is going to be in a good place. But Gangon are the only one who are away. So can at home to Reims, Dijon at home to Strasbourg. They then both play um, much more tricky opposition. Caen away at Lyon and Dijon away at PSG in game 37. Whereas Gangon uh, hosts Nîmes. So it's still not quite tied up there. But I think I'd agree that um, Gangon do look, do look proper done uh, at this point. And it's whether you know, Dijon did beat. Leon, they do still have uh, small sparks of uh, flashes of brightness and flashes of hope, but they're just too far back at this point. But Cole, I think, have got a real opportunity to drag Monaco down into into some trouble, given that Nîmes uh, get the chance, I think, to screw people up at both ends of the table because they're playing Monaco, then Gangon and then Lyon in their final three games. So they could uh, actually play a part uh, in, in both races, which I'm sure they will enjoy as they have uh, basically nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I want to ask you as well, Rich, just quickly on Dijon, because they're one that I can't quite work out. I mean, they gave themselves or given themselves an opportunity to get out of this and then they go and lose 3-0 away at Nantes, which is no disgrace. Nantes are playing some some good stuff at the moment and has to be said two goals came after um Ogard was sent off in that game but is it one of those for Dijon that just sort of too little too late they had that little run of three unbeaten and now have lost their last two arguably I mean they might might have had maybe just one eye on the fact that you know if they if they can win their two home games that they've got left that could very well be enough um, because you know they are two very winnable games home to home to Strasbourg, and then finish at home to Toulouse. They are winnable games for Dijon. Um, yeah, I mean you could argue Nantes was, was a winnable game, but you never quite know what you're going to get with Nantes. It seems so. Well, they're they're on a great run. That's five yeah. Mm. So from a, from a Dijon perspective, they may have just thought, well, you know what, let's just put everything into those two home games, see what PSG turn up when they visit the Parc de Prince in between those two games and, and see if that's enough. Um, you know, goals have, have been a prop win. We know last season goals were not, were not a concern at all for Dijon. They were scoring freely left, right and centre. This season has been a big problem. And then in April, they suddenly just found that scoring touch. Um, it was against the two teams who are probably the most charitable 
in the entire league, which are Leon and Wren. Um, but they found their score in touch, and six goals in those two games is is not is not shabby at all. So they 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 have found that touch. I know they've they've drawn two blanks since, which perhaps nullifies the argument slightly. But they have they have goals in them. They they do, and and if they can just get that knack back again, because it wasn't that long ago that they had it, those two home games could prove crucial. I think as 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 we, we've all alluded to, it looks like Gangon have have pretty much gone now. Um, I do think it's going to come down to to Dijon, Khan and Monaco. That will probably be brought down to two clubs after this weekend. I would I would have potentially anticipated, um, but I I do think those two games that that Dijon have got, Khan have ultimately got the ability to scrap. Uh, and have got the experience in how to get out of these kind of tricky situations. Dijon have have got the goals in them, and then Monaco are just the complete unknown. You know, they are on a bit. They're on sort of their second free fall of the season. Um, it, it, it's felt like so. I think Amiens have probably done enough. It's not the most ideal of run-ins for Amiens, um, but I think. Toulouse have probably got enough points to see them safe, and of course Amiens finish away. Uh, sorry, finish at home to Gangot, who will be down by then. I would have thought, um, but yeah, I, I expect this weekend we will get things a lot more clearer. Probably both at top and bottom. Mm. But if ultimately, if Dijon fail to beat Strasbourg, um, I think they'll be. You know, I think it looks fairly certain that they'll be joining Gangot in being relegated. And then it's just that race for, for who avoids that slightly awkward, slightly annoying, slightly nervy um, playoff with the, the team that, that comes through the playoffs in, in league. Yeah. Who's that looking like? Um, Brest look like they're going to finish in second. Um, And don't worry, Jez, I haven't forgotten that we might mention a certain something in a minute as well in that league. Um, Yeah. Trois, Paris and Lorient are the three clubs in the playoff spot at the moment, or in the, the three playoffs. Oh, because it's fifth versus fourth, and then the winner plays third, and then yeah. they play. Yeah. It's, it, it's almost as confusing as, as the Scottish League when it splits in two. Um, no, seriously, this is, yeah. it's France. Bureaucracy is the national sport. I got my carte de séjour recently, and you wouldn't believe what you've got to go through to get one of them. Anyway, I, I also yeah. wonder whether it'll come down, because I think in League uh, I think I'm right in saying there's two rounds left. Or is there one? No, there might only be two. No, there is two. Two. Yeah, two. So realistically, if you look at, I think, well, Troyes have are guaranteed to finish in the playoffs at least because they're streets ahead of, of Paris and Lorient. Paris play Red Star away, um, who are bottom, and Ooh, I think they are doomed. So um, whereas Lorient hosts Socho, who are also um, fighting for their lives down at the bottom. So you'd expect, in theory, two wins there, which means as you are and then on the final day of the sort of regular season um Lorient are playing I've lost the fixtures thank you very much um and Slav currently are seventh so that's no no easy straightforward game um and Paris finish at home to Gazelec Ajaxio who again fighting for their lives so I guess it just depends on who fights harder for their life rather than the team fight um and and Lorient of course beat Lens in that sort of very closely contested spot there. Lons are still in it. Let's not forget, they're only two points adrift of Lorient. So if Lorient drop any points, Lons play Orléans, which is sixth versus eighth. 
uh, in the next in the last round of fixtures, uh, and then this weekend they are facing Ajaxio um, away on Friday night. Which Ajaxio? Uh, the standard Ajaxio, if you will, who are in 16th. That's what I like to call them, standard. Ajaxio and Ajaxio Premium. Yes, yeah, BTEC Ajaxio. Um, they're 16th, Gazaleka 17th, so they're right next to each other, bless them. There's still, in terms of the bottom, still, there's two points separating 13th from 18th. Yeah, hmm. it's very much all to play for. I am just looking at the table and going it mentally, what the fuck? Yeah, you've got Osea um, all the way down to uh, to Sosho and 18th. Any one of those could, could go. There's five teams on 39 points. Yeah, just, uh, just That's nuts. That's impressive. We've got to give you uh, a couple of minutes, though, Jez. Uh, Mets are back, um, confirmed now. Um, what, what's? I guess the I'll give you sort of a platform just to say well done to them, and also what you expect the chances to be at staying in Liga next season. What what has to happen? In the summer, do you think? Um, I think they've been. Uh, I was going to say brilliant this season. The, the football hasn't been brilliant always, but they've just been extremely solid and. Um, very, very difficult to beat. They've been top since week two, so you can't really argue against the fact that they deserve to be there. They've had the huge disruption of, of Antonetti sort of being on, on extended leave basically the whole of 2019 because his, his wife's very ill. Um, and Onyo came in having been sacked after doing a really bad job at Nossi which maybe is the perfect qualification to, to, to join Mess. I don't know. But, um, so in not the easiest circumstances, they, they've done very well. They've, they've scored a lot of goals, but uh, <laughs> the concern is, as usual, I'm not sure that this team has got the quality to, as it is at the moment to stay up in, in Liga. Uh, they have got a, a really good competitive midfield, which could make a difference. But, for example, Coad probably has been more or less their best player and he's certainly on the wrong side of 30 now, so that could, could affect him league-wise. Diallo is the top scorer by, by quite a long way, but a lot of them are penalties. So, you know, give, I suppose giving credit for putting them away and giving less credit for, for winning the penalties in the first place. But, again, it, it's a concern that if he's the main striker leading the line and isn't scoring that many from open play, they could struggle. So they, I think they do need to have a good summer. Um, they've already been linked with a couple of players. The slight problem is that no one's entirely sure what's happening with Antonetti, whether he's going to stay, whether, whether he isn't. If, if he doesn't, will they bring someone in? Weirdly, uh, Jean-Marc Fouglant is, is one of the names being being touted and he's probably going to get promoted with Brest as well but by all accounts is, is almost certainly going to leave in the summer which is a strange situation um, so they absolutely deserve the, the, the championship this year I think they've, they've, they've pretty much beaten like, obviously a couple of defeats here and there but they've, they've, every time they've had a you know, real top of the table clash they've, they've come out of it um, well they've still got a couple of interesting matches to go because they've got the derby at Nossi and then I think they've got Brest last match. But, um, yeah, they they fully deserve their position, but they are, you know, West Brom have got absolutely nothing on them. They have really have become the archetypal yo-yo club. I think in the last nine years, they've been in the same division 
two seasons in a row once. Um, and I think there's a lot of work to do in the summer to, to try to um, maintain their, their position in League Camp next season. But it's, the... it's a good feeling actually all around the club because their reserve team has been promoted, their women's team has stayed up. Yeah. Um, and Generation Foot, which is their sort of feeder club in Senegal, has won the league there again. So hopefully it's, it's all sort of pointing to, to the fact that everything is going in the right direction. Just one thing, uh, the um, game against Nancy, is that at Nancy? Yeah. Yeah, because um, I think we've seen uh, there's a prefectural interdiction, which is fairly common in French football, that they say that visiting fans can't attend. Uh, but Nancy seemed to have interpreted this as meaning if anybody in the ground celebrates a Mets goal, they'll be thrown out and, and reported to the police. Um, some of the statements they've been making on their website and on Twitter do seem a little bit orcs, uh, given what normally happens with visiting fans. For example, the... Montpellier going to Saint Etienne. They've been, we've been told, um, no visiting fans will get in the cage other than the ones in the buses put on by the club. If anybody's sitting in the neutral stands, just don't wear blue or orange, keep a low profile. That's usually how these interdictions are interpreted. But Nancy appear to have uh, taken their interdiction and said basically. We, we can throw you out if you look like you're happy. I think it's becoming, it's, it's a slippery slope and it's just, I think it's becoming ridiculous because I, I think it's long since gone past anything to do with genuine safety concerns and now it's becoming sort of tit for tat, trying to get an advantage over your, your rivals or whatever. And um, I think the official justification given was something to do with the fact that like I said, that Onions, the sort of standing mess coach, used to be at Nossi, so they think that might be the cause of problems. If there, if there are any problems, which there almost certainly would be, then it would not be because <laughs> because Onions. Yeah. It would be because of you know much deeper rooted things than that. But that is part of football. That's the job of the LFB and the police to. to well, but to, it's um, not the LFB. Is it? It's the the local prefecture. I mean somebody has to report it to them and, and say, we think this should happen. But it just seems very good. I mean, the whole Montpellier-Saint-Étienne thing, uh, for a couple of seasons, Saint-Étienne fans were kind of told to keep a low profile when coming to Montpellier, but that was because uh, the whole Casti incident happened at a Montpellier-Saint-Étienne game, which did not involve the away fans in any way, shape or form. But for the next couple of seasons, they're told you, you can't have an away end. And so I actually ended up sitting in the side stand with a bunch of San Etienne fans who look kind of sheepish. We just said, we can't do anything else. Um, so I think it's, it is extremely difficult to travel um, in France. And I think when people say, big, when people say fans don't... It's kind of a, a vicious circle, isn't it? When people say, oh, they don't travel. It's like, if you try to, you end up in a fucking car park for eight hours with no toilet facilities in the rain because the police will only accept the official minibus. Well, that's and what I mean, then they, they no, stick you in an hour outside town. I mean, it's just, it's not 
cool. There's no, well, I was going to say this, there's, there's no culture anyway, but if Ligue 1 aspires to be a league that, that sort of try, can match the Premier League or the Bundesliga in terms mm. of atmosphere and, and attractiveness, not in terms of the football, but in terms of the whole package, then they need to, to find practical solutions to this kind of thing. And even if it is the perfect tool, the LFP should, I think, now be influential enough to be able to lean on them. Yeah, I mean, just again, going back to when Montpellier was in the Champions League, well, obviously they were dreadful, but they actually got away support in Mosul and everybody was just so excited about having, you know, hundreds of away fans with banners and drums who, in a sense, they could play with, they could sing songs with, they could yell stuff at, um, because obviously we had Arsenal and Schalke and Olympiakos who were amazing and turned up with like a thousand people and just painted the whole place um, in their club colours. It was great and I think it's only maybe it's only if you're in uh, if you're in a lower team lower league you get a Coupe, Coupe de France run if you're in Ligue 1 that you get Europe that you're going to experience having an away end which is actually vibrant and adding to, you know, the gaiety of nations and all that. It just does strike me as a bit of a shame. I've been at Mosson where it's been single figures in the away end. And that's, you know, that's just, yeah, it's just not going to help, you know. Yeah, it, it sparks an interesting debate. To be fair, so um, that was uh, that was unscheduled. So you got a yeah. bonus there, listeners. But uh, <laughs> uh, what I suppose what we can say is is um, going all the way back to the very start. It's nice to see Matt's back. So um, yes. I'm just to go all the way all the way back to the beginning. Uh, and and obviously, naturally, I hope a certain team in Orange joined them um, for next season. I think um, I think we'd all like that, wouldn't we? Mm. No, probably not. But I Ooh. would. Can I just uh, nip in with another extra, which is that Leon Lille um, version 2.0, this time it's serious, has ended 3-1 for OL Feminine in the uh, Women's Coupe de France. Uh, so they beat Lille with goals from Amadine Nomi, Shani Svandersanden, and a penalty from captain she's not a defender she's an attacker that starts from further away Wendy Runner with uh, Ilumatasar formerly of PSG getting the consolation for Lille so Lyon um, who are getting ready for their I don't know is it fourth or fifth um, Champions League final <laughs> they're fourth going for fourth in a row yeah and having just won their 13th Divan title in a row have now got the Coupe de France again uh, Lille unfortunately have lost the cup final and also been relegated um, at the saving of Mets as Jess mentioned so in women's football uh, Lyon is business as usual from one extreme to the other in terms of sides. Um, speaking of business as usual, we're just going to finish the show this week with our um, <laughs> customary uh, look at uh, what's happening in Paris. Uh, it seems to be every week, but um, I'm going to come to you first of all, Jez, because there's a fair bit to unpack here. Um, I mean, where do you start? Basically, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, I've queued you up. Where do you want to begin in terms of the week's events? A lot's been said. Um, <laughs> a, lot, a lot seems to be going on. What do you make of 
where they are as a club at the moment and, and their spectacular fall to pieces since, let's not forget, winning the title, but also bowing out of both Cups and Europe? Um, where they are is basically no further than than they were really so five years ago and yeah. if, if anything backwards and that's the problem um, they've got everything in their favour to, to progress they should they should be you know obviously money wise but experience wise the players they've got everything and it's all self-inflicted in a way that the, the Man United tie is, is was their problem in, in kind of microcosm and that you know that they started so well and then decided to shoot themselves in the foot there's no one no one around them including you know including man united in that match no one around them did anything to help themselves it was all psg you know committing collective suicide and that that's the problem and, and it doesn't seem like anything's going to change for me i've said it before i think absolutely the first person who should be ditched is Nasser Al-Khalifi because I think he sets the tone for the whole thing. Everyone, it seems an open secret that he's kind of starstruck by so many of these players and far too close to some of them. Um, he, he's got this divide and conquer policy. So he, you know, Mota doesn't get on with Enrique, he doesn't get on with Tuchel, he doesn't get on with Mota. And Al-Khalifi's doing nothing to change that because he quite likes it that way because it makes sure that he, He's he's the one in charge. He's the one that has to make all the decisions before anything changes. But he's never there because he's jet setting around the world doing his Qatari PR stuff. So nothing in the club can move. The second person I get rid of, as I said before, is Neymar. And it's not to say that he's not a good player. Obviously not. But again, I just think it's the tone that's set by him being there. Even if he's got points about younger players having a bad attitude. First of all, I, I think it's difficult not to see some jealousy in there that two of the ones mentioned, Kimpembe and Ariola, happen to have more World Cup winners medals than Neymar does. Um, but also, you know, Neymar's attitude has been far from exemplary. Alves and his clique has been far from exemplary. Thiago Silva in his clique is a serious loser. Um, and they're, they're all, they're not like subtle things that need to be sorted. They're all very blatant, staring in you, staring you in the face issues that that are also quite simple, quite easy to sort, especially with the kind of money that you've got if you are PSG. I think get rid of Neymar, you're gonna have, you know, according to different reports, between 180 and 350 million to play with. You can buy a Champions League winning team pretty much with that money. Certainly, Champions League winning midfield, which is what we all know they've been missing the whole time. You can get rid of all the players who, who keep bottling it. Thiago Silva, Verratti, I'm not saying he's a bottler, but he has been there the whole time that they keep failing in Champions League, and I think he is tainted by that. Um, it's frustrating because I think I think we all feel the same that although we're not necessarily PSG's biggest fans on the league gas scene, on the European scene for French football, I do and to certainly to shut up a lot of mouths. I do want them to do well, but that it's really difficult to do. And again, uh, I still it annoys me more than anything that practically everything that they do wrong, City does wrong as well, and they they get a get out of jail free card. They've been failing in the Champions League for longer than than PSG and they've only got one semi-final to show for it. 
but it's hard to defend PSG because they are doing so much wrong. And it's, you know, it's all the motivational posters and everything. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes if you learn from them, but they're absolutely refusing to. I don't even know where to um, go with that. I'm just going to say, Rich. <laughs> I mean, perfectly summed up, Jez. I suppose how I'll slightly cue you up, Rich, is I'll just say um, there, there's been a lot of talk that, that Khalifi might have sort of given up a little bit on on the project. That There's some, some talk about that. There's also talk about a lot of players going in and out again over the summer. There continues to be this discussion about whether Neymar will stick around. Um, breaking news this evening, rather interestingly, is that uh, a certain... My answer scored. Yes, indeed they have. <laughs> um, there's been a certain amount of discussion this evening about uh, Mina Raiola, who um, apparently has been suspended for football for three months. Um, there is a god. Uh, that could potentially affect any business... Suspended PSG. from football? Apparently so, what yes. What does that actually mean? Probably not a lot, if anything, is to go by the history. I mean, what, he's not allowed to play? Um, no, he's he's basically told to, to get out and bugger off for the time being. Uh, that That's that's the bottom line. He's been for suspended three by... Yeah, by the FIG. Which gives him the end of the transfer window still open. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it may not. But but I suppose in the overall picture, it, it might curtail some business PSG are going to do. I mean, what, what do you think, Rich? Because the, the, the issue is, if Khalifi was to go, um, which, you know, could happen, I suppose he could pack up his toys and say, now I'm going to go and uh, buy, Bright, uh, buy Bolton. Maybe not. Um, but, but if he goes, does that just not set PSG back to the PSG that nobody really knew existed before he came in? I know that sounds harsh, but does, is that fair? Um, I don't no, I don't think that would happen. I think the PSG brand uh, shudders that I have to say that, but the PSG <laughs> brand has been built up sufficiently now that I think if that were to happen uh, and Khalifi and the Qatar money decided, you know what, we're going to move on to someone else now um, and, and pulled out from PSG, there would be another backer. There would be someone else, you know, some other entity, some other country, some other group that would come in and and continue to bankroll um you know the uh, extravagant use of money shall we say that psg have done um so i don't think that that was, i don't know if that would come to that there have been rumors that um that that the uh, the qataris are looking at other football clubs um and a lot of people have raised issues over conflict of interest and all that but it wouldn't be the same Qatari investment fund that own PSG. They would basically create a separate fund, and that would be the that would be the vehicle that would look at acquiring another club. It's it's all a little bit shady, but that that's how that that world operates. Um, but I, I don't you know. I, I don't well, think, it all depends if if the people looking at football ownership are as well organised as say. Her Majesty's revenue and customs, <laughs> but, does and but, but from a from a PSG perspective, way it's not good. From a, from a PSG perspective, it is pretty clear. I think Khalifi is is one is is the problem. Um, it's pretty clear Neymar is the problem. We've had reports of him and and Julian Draxler having confrontations, which 
PSG and myself Jez sort of issued saw it and it was a very very peculiar response to the reports it was Le Parisien that reported this confrontation after the Montpellier game between Draxler and and Neymar with um, Draxler criticising Neymar for being too individualistic Neymar then firing back you know how dare you talk to me you talk to me you're the one that's always passing backwards and apparently it got to a point where um, Enrique and, and Tuchel had to separate them. Now, PSG issued a, a, a retort to that to say, you know, Neymar is this phenomenal uh, foot, you know, this phenomenon of the football world. You know, you weren't in the you weren't in the dressing, but nothing in there really about the fact of no, this didn't happen. They just seem to suggest. You know, Neymar is this this untouchable god, and how dare you? Because he is this football phenomenon, and then they signed it off. I think with Neymar equals PSG or something like that, and it's like, I mean, that reeks brand, doesn't it? Exactly. What on earth is it? If it didn't happen, and the reports are that Neymar and Draxler had a fight, PSG only defending Neymar sort of proves everyone's point about the fact that he's being indulged. Uh, and the thing, the thing that I can't sort of get my head around as well, if you look at, well, I think we did this a few weeks ago, but to repeat the same point in a slightly different way, you look at that PSG squad, you know, there's a lot of very good players in it, but there's also a lot that really need to be moved on this summer. They're, they're talking about giving new contracts to Buffon, to, to Dani Alves, who, you know, both exceptional talents and, and careers, but the best is way <laughs> behind them. Um <laughs> They're, um, footballers my age, I well, like to think, you know, I'm think not, I'm, something I'm else. Not, I'm not touching that, Phil, because it'll get me in all sorts of trouble. No, but, seriously. Um, <laughs> Hilton, Hilton has uh, um, extended his contract, and we're all delighted by that, but seriously, the man is 42. And you don't expect him to play week in, week out, whereas PSG are build, still building a brand around the fact, oh, we've got Gigi Buffon, oh, we've got Danny Alves. Meanwhile, they're letting Adrian Rabiot basically rot his way out of the club. Um, interesting the insider reports that, that I had a chat with somebody the other day, and apparently uh, apparently my club are very interested and have held preliminary talks, so that'll end well. Well, um, just but- the, the whole Tuchel thing where he made kind of sly digs about not being able to pick to pick it yeah. I don't understand your that but then also um, just on the, um, the game on Saturday PSG versus Nice Tuchel was hugging Dante I think before Cavani took the penalty which he missed mm. because I think they used to play in the Bundesliga he was with him in the Bundesliga Coach I think um, and it was after our he was asked after the game, uh, would, so would you buy Dante? And he said, I can't. Apparently, he's too old. I'm well, like, that... ouch. But, but then he's also, <laughs> being, he's also being micromanaged that he can't be the manager that the reputation he had in Germany was being this sort of strict and, you know, very sort of, um, well, that is the word, strict and, and almost aggressive with his players. It almost seems like he's gone the other way now. There's even talks as, apparently today that they're thinking about bringing Kevin Trapp back. Well, why would you do that when you've got, yeah, when you've got the best goalkeeper arguably in France and Areola? I, it's just so many and things. And apparently so. they're shopping around for a new one. Yeah, I'd, so many things just don't make any sense. Oh. But uh, at PSG, there's, there's, there's too many egos, for mm. starters. Um, 
we've said it until we're all blue in the face is that their transfer policy is is pretty rotten you know they have they they buy in or bring in name players without thinking about what they're actually going to be for the squad mm. they bring in ludicrously expensive players as a bit of a panic uh you know i'm looking at at Keira and Paredes there you know a lot of money has been spent on them and we've not really seen anything from either of them mm. um somebody needs to take hold of that transfer but now in terms of recruitment you know that's supposed supposed to be Henrique I'm not quite sure if he's got the the talent for that certainly if he's if he's being hampered and 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 told what to do effectively by by Al-Khalifi then he ain't going to be able to do that job even if he was the best best sporting director in the world um but their their recruitment is rotten they will continue to look at well, Al-Khalifi will continue to see this as a, you know, we're going to be a, a you know, a, the new version of the Galacticos. We're going to bring all these big name players in. It, it's not, you know, you look at, you look at some, a club like Barcelona, you look at a club like, um, you know, Real Madrid in, in, in their heyday, there were massive egos there as well. But there was clear leadership. There was clear structure. There was clear management. There was a clear transfer policy Mm. in that, yes, they were bringing name players in, but they were bringing name players in, you know, in their prime. And with a purpose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, PSG, you know, Buffon didn't need him. Danny Alves didn't need him. Mm. I know they were on free transfers, but they're on a huge salary. Mm. Um, Why have they bothered going after those two players? Neymar didn't need it. I know, I mean, he was signed before Mbappe, but if they knew that Mbappe was coming, they didn't. Well, exactly. Which they must have known. Exactly. And looking back, back, they have bought Neymar for the sole reason to try and win that Champions League. In theory, I mean, I would argue that they bought him for marketing reasons as well. But in theory, they bought him to try and bring that Champions League glory. The two seasons he's been there, he has not been in the Champions League when it matters for PSG. I'm not going to pin injury blame on him, but when it has mattered for PSG, he has not been there. He has then given the impression that he's above the league because we see him at poker tournaments, we see him out partying, and he's you know he, he missing key, key games for PSG. Um, it's not a good look. Um, I, 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 I was curious when you know, Neymar and Mbappe first started at PSG, would these two actually work? And for a time, it looked like they were. And certainly at the start of this season, it looked like they were. But the more I think about it, and the more I see the impact Neymar is having on Mbappe, and the way that Mbappe is, you know, his whole attitude and his demeanour is changing. You know, there's, it, you've got that sort of good and bad side to Mbappe. We've still got that good side that we, we saw at Monaco, that He's a kid still that's thoroughly enjoying his football. He's on a massive stage now. Brilliant. But there is also that ego side of him. There is that slightly nasty streak almost that's developing in him. Mm. You know, we saw that foul in the Coupe de France final, which was awful. Mm. And I just fear that more and more of that is happening. And, I, you know, as Jez said, Neymar is a really, really, really good footballer. I just think the attitude that he brings is just a pollutant. And I think more and more we see and we hear from PSG, 
uh, out of out of PSG from various reports. It's not it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the club. It's not a good look for any potential big name players they're looking at recruiting. Because why would they want to come and share a dressing room with someone like Neymar, who's a you know who's who's sort of trying to call the shots and be this sort of bratty uh, prima donna? Okay, yeah. I I just think it's cash in on Neymar. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's he's scored a bucket load of goals and he's produced some fantastic assists and, and some some brilliant skills and all that and the other. But in two years you've out like you you've spent two hundred odd million and you have not got the return that you want in two years. Now you've got, you've got you've got they've got rid of coaches for not bringing in what they want in two years. So why why therefore are players who have left PSG so hamstrung in terms of transfers because they've they've not been able to spend because so much was spent on Neymar that it's uh, you know it it sounds dramatic to say but it's been almost a bit disastrous this move so if I'm if I'm PSG this summer I'm I'm touting out for offers for the Neymar I think what um what you were saying about you know you didn't need Buffon you didn't need Alves Apart from the brand thing, if you think about purely footballing terms, they didn't need Neymar. They they were fine when he wasn't there, multiple times when he wasn't there. They're, what, 16 points clear at the top of Ligue 1? It was a stroll. Um, they didn't, I think Jez has also raised his point in the past as well, they didn't actually need him. What they need is, you know, possibly a more solid central defence and a defensive midfielder. And those would be cheaper, frankly, but you got to sell shirts because I don't know who's making the money off those, but I can't imagine that's as... You'd think they'd be more... Financially viable as getting to the semi-final of a Champions League, you know. You'd think they'd almost be sort of a bit more universally liked as well if they didn't have the things that go on go on as well don't you because i like a lot of people oh, like people a lot of their players but you know there's nothing wrong with being a fashionable brand i mean real madrid barcelona juventus there isn't but you, i, you I get around, annoyed you look around there's... town and i see more than i see montpellier shirts i see marseille and psg mm. also bizarrely juventus chelsea and sweden don't know what that's about but um that yeah, they're already big, but my point is that the money you get from selling shirts is not is not actually that big. When people talk about Man U and they've got Pogba, so he sells shirts, it's like the amount of money the club gets for a shirt being sold with his name on the back is peanuts. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it's just shirts. I think it's commercial in terms of being able to open up to new markets and have... Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, the, Japan, new, the new media just... adverts that they do, which are so annoying. I don't know if you get those in the UK. Yeah, we get Liverpool. We've got them in Liverpool. Yeah, really? Because <laughs> we've got Cavani looking straight down the camera, slightly baffled and applying deodorant. And it's just, it's really disturbing. And so, to, to be fair, if you're advertising... Facial products probably better to go with Cavani than Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah, but, James Milner. <laughs> um, but um, I just, I, I get, I mean, I've seen people sort of their justification for slagging off PSG is that they're upstarts with no history. Which, first of all, they today is the twenty-third anniversary of them winning a European trophy. Mm-hmm. So that 
that's allied to that. Secondly, it's not their fault that they were only created in 1970. Mm. Um, thirdly, City, they don't have any less of a history than City or Chelsea did when their when no. money came in. Especially and fourthly, Chelsea. it's just no argument, full stop. And I think that was one of the, one of the motivations in Bayern Neymar. I think it was just to spook teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona and just say, you know, Flex, it's not a close yeah. club and we're going to push our way in. Mm. But... Yeah, the best way to do that is to win trophies. Yeah. But Barcelona and Real Madrid can be allowed, you know, Barcelona have had two remontadas since, I hate that word as much as project. Actually. <laughs> um, Red montada. Two, two, two flops since since the, the PSG one. Real Madrid have had a, a mare of a season. Man United aren't going through the best periods. But they, they're, they're forgiven more because people know it's kind of cyclical and they've had those successful periods as well. PSG need to have had one of those successful periods on the European stage and they're, they're going to sell more shirts and do better commercially if they've got the bigger trophies in the cabinet mm. at some point no one's interested if you're just because it's not you know the Brighton at one point had skin they had the coolest shirt sponsor in the country but it didn't yeah. mean that everyone was buying their shirt because they were also bottom of the league at the same time and and it and it's so and it's uh, and it's fashion as well it's just it's, sometimes it's fashion about your identity on the pitch i mean we're probably all sat here now watching ajax at the moment i, I don't know any supporter of any club other than maybe liverpool or, or in this case tottenham um if they have fans um, I don't know anybody else who doesn't want Ajax to win the Champions League this year because of a their history and you know everything that they stand for, bringing players through, young players, etc., and the fact they're playing some lovely football. Mm. And I think if PSG had a oh, team, that's all I have I've no that's idea that's what their shirt looks butchered. like, frankly. No. Sorry, Rich. That's that. Plus, that side's going to get absolutely. It's already started, but that side's going to get absolutely butchered in the summer. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know that's just the way of modern football. But you know, we, we you just you just you love to see the togetherness and, and the fight. And I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not sure I'd go into a, a pub fight with any PSG players, let alone a war. Because just, well, maybe Verratti, yeah, but he'd probably, <laughs> he'd probably get shot four times before he he got the shot away himself. But, but the thing yeah. is, on that, I mean, the one thing I will defend PSG on is that I don't, you know they've done it in different ways, but generally they have. Sometimes it's been sort of boring possession-based stuff, but they have generally played good football. Yeah, true. Period. And that's that's the annoying thing, because, again, they've proved it very much this season, especially, that when they want to, when things work out, they can be anyone. Mm. Yeah. I think recruitment is the key for PSG. I think if they yeah. get that right, yeah, everything is there. Yeah, all the It's, it's, it's the recruit. The, 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 the holes and the issues with that squad are mm. blindingly obvious to everybody. So if PSG don't sort that out in the summer, they continue to have only themselves to blame. If and I was the Emir, I would I would sack Alcalefi, I would sell Neymar, I would bring Leonardo in and I'd say to Leonardo and Maxwell, you're in charge, here's two hundred million. Yeah, Maxwell was the name I was looking for there. Yeah, I completely agree. Him and him and Leonardo. And Zumana Kamara, of course, as well. Oh, naturally. <laughs> and, and of course, the first bit of business would be to bring back uh, Sacco to play at centre half. Uh, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does it does strike me as an interesting project to watch um, over the summer, which of course we will. Um, I think we've we've kind of covered that 
probably more than we even planned to. So we will just finish by looking ahead. To There'll what be another got. story to add to it next. Oh time. God, of course. Yeah, I, I don't doubt. It. There'll probably be one breaking within the hour. No PSG, but um, also we'll just... the, the PSG player I would want on my side in a fight is Formiga, who has I think uh, extended her contract for another year at PSG. She is I think forty-one. Nails. I, I would say Bernat. Nails hard. But I like Bernat I like has Bernat. had so much stick this year just yeah. because of an unfashionable name. But he's done the business more than anyone else. And, and let's not forget, they're probably going to sell their most consistent player since they've signed him in Tom Amunio. Yeah, his form's dropped off of late, but I'd rather have him than not have him. Um, yeah, team. I mean, his, for, his form's dropped off because his club's treating him like an absolute dick. Yeah. Exactly. And and he would and he will waltz into pretty much any Premier League midfield, including Arsenal's. So if we could do that, and I know he's a right back for anyone says anything, but he could play in four different positions. He's that good. So uh, yeah, let's get that done. Um, right, uh, the weekend we mentioned Saint Etienne start the weekend's action on Friday as they host Montpellier. Um, probably worth a watch that if you've got nothing to do. Um, I think, if for nothing else, just for Matthew Debucci's beard. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Angers face PSG on the four o'clock game on the Saturday. And then the evening games, we've got five of them at 7pm UK time. Omien host Toulouse. Carl face Ram in, you'd have to say, a must-win game. Uh, Dijon, speaking of which, host Strasbourg. Same applies there. Uh, nice face non to the game, which could be nil-nil or 7-6. You just never know. Uh, although Nice are at home, so probably not the latter. Neem host Monaco. Again, you'd think that that's a game that Jardim really needs to get something from, at least. Ideally, a win. And then on the Sunday, you have Ren hosting Gangon. In, uh, well, if Ren take anything from that, you think Gangon are gone. Lille host Bordeaux, which we mentioned earlier on. If Lille get uh, a point or more, we'll guarantee second place. And then we finish off with a nice tasty Marseille against Lyon game on Sunday, which again could have more cards than goals. You just never know. Could be all sorts of fun, that one. So uh, I'm assuming we're all having a look at that Sunday evening game as well as the two relegation games on th- on Saturday night, are we? Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, that Mar- Marseille-Lyon is very quickly become probably one of the fiercest rivalries. And, OK, Marseille aren't going to be finishing in the Champions League spots, but they'll like, they will love, absolutely love it. If they, they could, stop. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. If they could, uh, if they could not Leon I will mostly be watching Saint Etienne Montpellier on Friday night for you know vain hope from Montpellier and also you know ex Montpellier player Cabella who is tearing up a storm at a four live at the moment. But yeah, it's Saint Etienne are in a great run of form, and I'm giving that to them. I think Neem Monaco could be yeah. a good match. Yeah, could, yeah, because yeah, it's sort of, it, it does, it, it yeah. goes under the radar a bit, but as you said earlier, Monaco's slide has been quite alarming. And, and Neem, uh, was it, uh, I think I saw an Opta tweet earlier to Vanier's, the highest assisting player in the top five leagues with eight? He's got 12. He's number one in the assist charts for Ligue 1 for the season with 12. Right. He's got right. six goals, uh, four of which are penalties, but the two others are goal of the season contenders. And, and Ben yeah. Arthur is amongst the Ligue 1 player of the year candidates. Yeah, which, which, by the way, we haven't forgotten. We are going to cover that on the show. Uh, we just haven't got enough time this week. We will talk about the, the awards, nominees, etc. Um, and um, by the way, Neems, eight. Just by the way, eight in Ligue 1. Who'd have thought that? They are so much fun. They are. 
they really are Ale indeed well that's probably where we'll leave it for this week i can think of no better place to leave it um as i say plenty of games to uh, to keep a, a little or cast an eye over or, or keep an eye on this weekend so do do that um we'll of course be back uh, likely this time next week where we will only have uh well I would imagine we'll we'll have a clearer picture of, of who's going to finish where by the end of this weekend's action heading into the, well, we got two games left after this. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll be pretty close to knowing where people are going to finish um, at the end of next week's show. So um, join us for that. Uh, it just remains for me to thank my, uh, my guests. Uh, thank you very much, Phil. Thank you. And thank you, Jazz. Thank you. And thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. Uh, As always, uh, enjoy your French football and we'll be back to discuss all the weekend's action this time next week. Until then, thanks uh, thanks for tuning in. Keep tuned to the regular places and we'll speak to you next week.